The Razor Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Patriots ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. There are tickets across all major leagues and teams. The app is quick, simple, and easy to navigate. Two taps and you're checked out. There are more than sports tickets. You can go to concerts, theater, whatever you're in- into, GameTime will find you a deal. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Razor Show post-bi-week edition. It's the Jeff and Nick edition as well. We had a good bye week. We took the week off. We know you missed us. That's why we came back, and we wanted to do a podcast just for you, the listeners, the tweeters, and our our closest supporters here on social media and at the Razor Show. So we're doing a mailbag type of podcast, and I solicited questions for on Twitter earlier in the day. So basically, you guys are driving the content. You are now, if I chose your question or if we chose your question, consider yourself a podcast model. So, Nick, are you ready? Because I got one right off the bat specifically for you. And I don't know if you've seen this one yet, but I'm going to read it to you. This is from Ryan Severance. I'm excited. In covering the Patriots again versus covering the Saints, was there a percentage of Saints fans and media members who insisted on finding ways to be unhappy even when the team was playing well? Or is that uniquely a Patriots fan media phenomenon? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, generally, I feel like everybody was a lot more happy. I don't know. I mean, it it, it definitely is something that I feel. I don't I don't read a lot of other coverage. I don't listen to the radio at all. I haven't heard a minute of radio. But, you know, sometimes you do become aware of things because people tweet things and there's some wild stuff out there that people say that I I really don't understand, Um, you know, coming from a team that's that's won as often as this team wins and you know I think that there's a little bit of that you know with with the fans too some of them look for you know super negative stuff and you know it it is all going to work out but then there's also the other side of it that there's you know a group of people that will attack any analysis as if you're saying you know if there's a problem with wide receiver it means that they aren't going to win the Super Bowl. No, it means that they're probably still going to win the Super Bowl or compete for the Super Bowl, but there is a problem at wide receiver. So, you know, I think there there's a little bit of it coming from both sides that that's that's unique to this area as opposed to, you know, how it was in in New Orleans, but you know, generally this this team wins every every year. I I don't understand a lot of that at all. I I kind of laugh at some of it and you know, that is kind of why I tune some of that stuff out because I think if you let too much of it in, then all of a sudden you start doing work that is just going against these wild talking points because you'll hear them and be like, oh my God, this is crazy. I can't believe people say that. And, you know, I used to pay attention to that stuff the first time I was up here and I, I feel like it kind of messed up some of my coverage. So I, I've tried to tune it out this time because it's just, it's just wild stuff out there. I can't even tell you how many times if the Patriots open or whatever, if they have the ball or if they open on defense, if they open with a three and out or the defense, you know, even before the Ravens scored on that first possession, I had people cl- complaining to me that the defense sucked. Or if <laughs> Patriots go three and out, Brady sucks and he's too old on Twitter. 
uh, the real-time big-picture analysis sometimes drives me crazy, and I, I don't understand the rush to uh, always be just paranoid and preparing for the doomsday. Uh, my favorite question is from Daniel Rodriguez, and he asks, should I buy an ostrich? To which I say, absolutely. Can you ride I've it? Actually, I looked it up. I wanted to... Uh, of course you can pet it. No, can you, you can ride, ride it? it? Yeah. You, you, oh, can you ride it? I mean, why else would you buy it? They ride an ostrich in Donkey sure. Kong. Did you, did you ever play Donkey Kong Country? Like, you ride an ostrich in that. Like, if I could do that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, you just got to figure, like, how much can the ostrich support? And do you have to get it on a weight training program so its legs can fully support, you know, both you and the saddle? Because I'm assuming a saddle weighs a, a decent amount. I don't know. I, I grew up in the city, so I don't know w what it takes to mount an animal, especially on a saddle but uh i looked it up because i was really intrigued and you can definitely buy an ostrich and it's it comes out to about 20 bucks a pound average price for an ostrich is like 1500 bucks which it has me think like why why are we recording a podcast right now because if you can buy an ostrich for 1500 bucks i feel like i'm wasting my time at the moment <laughs> uh, uh daniel also wants to know if daniel uh damian harris is going to be uh the next rex burkhead in 2020 I'll, I'll let you shoot at that one. I don't know. Um, I think it's well. That's a lousy answer. <laughs> you know, he he he's a he's a mystifying guy on the team to me a little bit. You know, I don't feel like I know enough about him. I wish I had seen him more throughout the season so that I, I could have stronger opinions of him. Somebody asked me about him the other day, and I I didn't even really know how to to go about answering the question just because I don't know. And the fact that he's not playing more with. I don't want to say Sony Michelle's playing poorly, but Sony Michelle isn't lighting the world on fire. And if this guy was doing something behind the scenes that was extremely impressive, I feel like he'd be getting a chance. They wouldn't be sitting him down. And even if it's like, let's say it's like a pass pro thing where, where he has issues in pass pro. If he was just a killer running the ball, like they could find a way to get him on the field to run the ball every now and then. And, and, you know, all you got to do is show him in pass pro one or two times per game to, to keep things honest. And, you know, maybe you, you just run a quick slant there or something. So, you know, you never have have him in a position where he really needs to pick up a blitz or something. So I, I don't really know what's going on there. I, I can't be low on him, but it's just weird that we aren't seeing him out on the field at all, really. Like he's not doing much of anything. And I feel like there should be an opportunity for him to do more. Yeah, back in August when or before the injuries kind of derailed his training camp and preseason. I thought he was a more refined passing down player at this stage than Sony Michelle was a year ago. I thought his blitz pickups were pretty solid. Yeah. It seemed like his route running was was pretty good for somebody at that stage of the game. And, you know, I wrote that story about Damian Harris and his Alabama helmet in the bye week and the response from Alabama fans. Now, granted, I, I will give kind of a, a hat tip to Alabama fans in general, the ones who hit me up on Twitter are always absurdly nice. I mean, it's like they, they're really, really nice people. And, but I, I, the way that they talk about Damian Harris and the way they revere him. And it, it's just, I, I think that's, there's a lot to be said for something like that. When the players college fan base still follows him that closely and still is that supportive. Like that shows that that guy was doing something right now, granted, Alabama does a lot of winning, so it's an easy team to root for, I would guess. But I think that some of that carries over. And I think when Damian Harris gets his chance, I think Patriots fans are probably going to feel similarly about him. He can run the ball. I mean, he has three down back ability, I think, uh, sort of projecting there more than anything. But 
Uh, he's a guy who can run between the tackles, and you know I keep going back to this point's been made uh, several times this season, but James White and Shane Vereen were both redshirt rookies for the Patriots, so that could be the similar type of path for Damian Harris, and we'll see what happens with Rex Burkhead next year. So I want to get to the next one here. I forgot. Oh, I lost it. So I can't find who sent it. But anyway, it was a good question. Would you be more surprised if the Patriots didn't draft a quarterback or a tight end next year? And I would say, I so I would be more surprised if they didn't draft a quarterback. And I got to really kind of put an asterisk on that because with the tight end position, the Patriots had basically punt. I mean, Bill Belichick and tight ends in drafts, he's basically just like, what? Never heard of him. I mean, since drafting Gronk and Aaron Hernandez in 2010, it's crazy that Belichick has not put um, a lot of emphasis on the tight end position in the draft. I mean, for, for the large part of a decade, I think they've drafted three. They've all been late round picks and they've bypassed quality players time and again. And that's not to say the Patriots haven't drafted well. And of course, there have been some misses along the way, no question about it. But they rarely take a shot. I don't think that means the Patriots are going to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback next year. But I think they've probably gotten to the point where they're going to take a swing at a quarterback every single year until they know for certain. And when I wrote about Jared Stidham being a potential franchise quarterback over the summer, I meant it, and I liked everything I saw, and I think the Patriots like everything they've seen from him so far. But until they know for certain that they have the guy who can take over for Tom Brady, I think they're just going to keep taking swipes. And it, that could be an early-round guy. It could be a late-round guy. But I think they're just going to keep you know, getting to the plate. Yeah, I, I think i got to agree with you totally. I, I thought this year they definitely would have done something to upgrade the tight end position, and then they sign a 38-year-old guy who has a looming steroid suspension, and then they cut him and bring him back, and they sign another guy who described himself as a utility player when we talked to him. So, I mean, like, the bar wasn't very high. I guess they took a swing at Austin Safarian Jenkins, but it, it seemed like they didn't put a whole lot of value into the position, and, you know, while they set that wave years ago by taking Gronk and Hernandez, and then everybody else kind of you know, gravitated towards having to get the tight ends in their offense, the premium players there, the price of the position went up, and it just kind of seems like the Patriots have skirted and, and went another direction. So I'm with you. I, I think they'll keep taking quarterbacks, and I don't, I'm not going to echo everything you said. You know, Stidham could be the guy, but maybe he isn't. I don't think that he's surefire enough at this point. So, yeah, you just keep bringing people in and until Brady walks away. You and then pit, you know, two guys against one another and, and whoever comes out on top, that, that's who you roll with until you finally find the guy. Yeah, next year has a chance to be an all-time caliber quarterback draft. And even if all those guys don't enter into the draft, that could spill into 2021. I was surprised the Patriots haven't set themselves up with more early round assets. Now, granted, they traded one away from Mohamed Sanu, and that's looking like it was a worthwhile acquisition. But I was just going back into last April, I was surprised they didn't try to trade more picks into the 2020 draft to compile assets to move up the board next year if they really wanted to make an aggressive play for one of those guys who projects to be a franchise caliber quarterback. Now, who knows? Maybe Belichick is looking at the board or, or Casario in the um, 
pro personnel department or the personnel department is looking at 2020 and saying, yeah, there might be five or six top 10 caliber quarterbacks in the draft, but that means they can already identify the next Garoppolo who will be there at 32 or, or whatever. So I'm all um, in on, yeah, there's a lot of different, I'm all in on making it like the, the full blown hunger games, like among quarterbacks, like just every year, you know, you got the two young guys going against each other, get like Brian Hoyer back here to then like beat the, the candidate and you know that that's the boss at the end of training camp that you got to get by like let's just look like full on just get like a crazy competition going until until there's the next brady standing and then like they just knock off brady and then you move on and you know that's it but that that would be awesome to see just every year if there were like these high level quarterbacks being drafted in like the second third round until like they got the guy but you know you got to do it and and maybe maybe even you know take two like get one early get one late have four guys going at it you know or three guys behind Brady it's just you can't you can't spend too much on that position and they got to keep doing it one guy gets to bring like a bow and arrow the other (laughs) one's got an axe I mean it's we're just get real weird out there I mean this is it's it's your meal go out and earn it um well that's why you know what you that's why I hated and I think obviously in hindsight it looks like the Cardinals made the right choice, but that's why I hated them trading Josh Josh Rosen. I mean, just let him go in and and battle Kyler right. Murray. Now, I think Murray looks like he's he's probably the future of that organization, but I don't know. Was the asset really worth removing Josh Rosen from the equation without knowing the whole story? Who knows? And and again, they they probably made the right choice by trading him and all that other stuff. But it was a, a weird situation to see how that played out. We got one from Dougie Wright who is a UK Pats fan and says they're desperate for the Patriots to go back over there to play another game over in London. And he also wants to know how, or, you know, if, if we foresee that happening and if Bill Belichick is fond of that idea. When they went over there in 2012, I mean, that was, I loved that trip. I absolutely loved it. And that was my first trip overseas. I've since been to Italy a couple times. No big deal. Kind of a cultured guy I am. But that was, uh, so at the time, I just, I wasn't like a big traveler or anything. I had no idea how much I would love London. I don't think you really asked me, Dougie, how much I looked forward to another trip or, or anything like that. But it was a good experience. There were clearly a ton of Patriots fans over there. And when the Patriots went to Mexico a couple of years ago, I think in 2017, you know, they were up for an international game either way. It sounded like it was going to be either Mexico or London. So that's something they have continued to come back to. I don't know when they may or may not be up in the rotation. I don't know if it'll be, you know, next year if if they would even qualify to play a road game over there, you know, depending on who might be invited to play a home game or whatever and who's on the schedule, all that stuff. But uh yeah, I mean, I would be I would expect the Patriots to play over there again sometime in the not so distant future. And how does Belichick feel about it? I mean, look, I don't know. I've never given him the truth serum, but I think we all understand that Belichick likes to keep as regimented of a schedule as possible. And going over to London, throwing off your internal body clock, he probably doesn't love it, but I think he understands that it's important for the business of the league. And that's something that Robert Kraft absolutely loves doing. So uh, he just sort of, he deals with it you know, the best way he knows how to. And again, that's not coming directly from him. That would be my observation of how he probably feels about it. But uh, anyway, hopefully the Patriots get back to London because that's a cool trip. 
I'm, have you been? Yeah, I've been. Uh, the Saints went, I think it was two years ago. They, they played the Dolphins over there, and then they practiced the whole week. It, it was great. It was it was an amazing trip. Uh, I'm sure Belichick, though, would just be a great ambassador for the league, answering all the questions from the Sky Sports guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be – like, Bill's never, never in a great mood, but I, I can't imagine him, like, being – and look, I, I think the NFL has gotten so popular over there that they don't even really need like people to sell the idea of like, oh, we're so happy to be there. Like they're selling out every game and the crowds they get over there are, are awesome. And, you know, you see jerseys from from every team everywhere all over the city. Like they've obviously very, very much embraced the sport. But, you know, there is just kind of like an element of uh, salesmanship. And I just can't picture you know, Bill giving them the, the sound bites. They, all they want to do is just play the coach saying like, oh, this is great. It's happy to be here. These, you know, facilities at this rugby place are, are top notch and they've rolled everything out. And like Bill, Bill's just not going to do that stuff. Yeah. And well, the other, uh, you know what? They've actually been over there twice before I overlooked that element. They went there in 09, I believe it was. Uh, I was not traveling with my original company at the time. But, uh, yeah, so they've been over there twice and plus the Mexico trip. And uh, that was a, you know, funny story with that is the Patriots took a red eye. Or I I think our flight, our commercial flight, was around the same time as the Patriots. So everybody's on a red eye. And we get off the plane at God even God only knows what time of night it was. I think it was like normal time over in London. But for East Coast time here, it was over. It was like 1 or 2 a.m., we get in the cab, we head to the Patriots team hotel, and it's for like a 2.30 a.m. Eastern time media access. It's, you know, normal morning hours over in London. And uh, so we go, we, we talk to the players and, and all this normal type of, you know, not locker room, but at the hotel, in a lobby, conference room, whatever it was. And then we go back to right. And I grabbed a coffee, which is like jet fuel over in London. The coffee over there is incredible. But... One of uh, the Herald photographer was like, don't fall asleep. Whatever you do, do not fall asleep. I know you're tired, but you got to make sure you get your yourself adjusted to this or your whole weekend is going to be thrown off. I'm like, yeah, no, don't worry. I'm going to go back. I'm going to write. I'm not going to fall asleep. And I sit in my bed in my hotel room and I start to write. And the next thing I know, I wake up however many hours later with three lines of J's on my keyboard <laughs> uh, on my Word document. I fell asleep with my finger on the J button. I don't know what I was typing there. But uh, it was it was it was crazy how quickly I fell asleep, even though I was trying not to after a giant cup of coffee. But uh, the other good part about that trip was uh, due to weather, we were we weren't able to fly home on Monday. So we got a bonus day out of that. You know, the the late arrival, Belichick not wanting to really practice all week over there. They did a walkthrough in one of the parks in downtown London, uh, which was a pretty cool scene. But uh, we got to see the Churchill War Memorial, and a lot of really cool stuff that extra day. Uh, the Queen invited me over. No big deal. But, uh, yeah, great bonus day in London. You do anything like that? Uh, the Saints went over there right after the game against Carolina. They played Carolina on the road, and then they flew over immediately after the game. So, like, we all flew over. So, like, we got, like, two off days in London just to kind of explore it and see everything, you know, as well as the whole week. So, it was just kind of, you know, well, I didn't work for the athletic then. So I'll, I'll just say like, it was just kind of like mail in your stories and go explore. Like, sorry. Uh, hmm. It was still good stuff. You know, we wrote good stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just an amazing time, man. And, and I think it's a great 
thing, especially if like if you're a fan of the team and like you go on a road trip, you know they're going like that's the one that you got to go to, and just the experience in in the stadium too was just kind of amazing. Uh, the crowd was a little bit different. You know, you you see those soccer crowds over there, um, and there's a little bit of that. It, it you know the football games, there's just a little bit more energy and liveliness. You know, throughout some chants going on, just some different stuff that like you just kind of don't get over here and. Yeah, we, we went to a couple of Premier League games when we were over there. Like it was it was probably like, you know, one of the, the best weeks I, I've had, you know, professionally doing anything. Maybe, you know, it, it's top 10 week of my life. Just being over there, it's just incredible. You're walking by seeing signs on bars that that are like a thousand years old. And it's just it, it's an amazing place to see. Yeah, great stuff. OK, last question from Derek, uh, <laughs> who uh asks he says the Patriots offense has looked out of sync a lot this season which I think uh, we can all agree upon I don't think anybody would be disagreeing with Tom Brady on that one but he wants to know if the coaching staff is hiding plays or tendencies for the playoffs and if that would be a factor I, I think Nick would be more expansive on this but my general gut reaction to that is like they're trying to work through this thing the best they can and I think they would be doing a disservice to themselves if they were really trying to hide anything for the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that that's not some type of factor, but I doubt they're saying, all right, we're going to be vanilla for 16 games and then just dump in the mint chocolate chip for the playoffs. Uh, it was it, not that we could foresee. Like, I'm just thinking back to um, the 2014 divisional round game against the Ravens. I mean, we didn't really see the the uneven formations and you, know, you can't you're not going to predict when they're going to roll out like a Amendola to Edelman touchdown or was it Edelman's whatever it was um so yeah I mean there's there's elements I'm sure that they are gearing up toward but I don't think that they would say that they would be willing to struggle offensively just to hold stuff back for the playoffs yeah I don't think that that's what people do um you know, there's definitely things that teams do to set things up for later in the season. You know, they'll create tendencies to break them. They'll run certain plays out of a certain look just to draw people in. And then, you know, if, say, it's a, a run a certain way, they'll they'll do that every single time out of a certain look. And then the eighth time they do it, they'll, they'll run a pass and just catch somebody, off, you know, out of balance. So there's definitely things like that that teams do. But I don't think that at all it's like, hey, we aren't going to do – these seven things we know we can do really well just because we might need it in January. Now, maybe you come up with an idea as you're scouting the rest of the league, you know, and I'm sure they do that. I'm sure every Monday they're in there watching, you know, the scoring plays and in their study and probably, you know, five or six different offenses that are, you know, doing things that, that differently than, you know, I'm sure everybody watches the chiefs and I'm sure everybody watches the Patriots and I'm sure everybody watches you know, the Saints, and I don't know so much this year, but I'm sure, you know, last year everybody was watching the Rams, and, you know, they study those things, and they probably come up with tendencies, and I'm sure they see things like, oh, like, this is how the Ravens defended this against this team, and somebody will take a note and pocket stuff like that to use later. Hey, if we play the Ravens in the playoffs, this might be something that we can work into our offense, but yeah, there's no way that they're sitting there being like, we're going to be trash running the ball so that we can run the ball well <laughs> in in the playoffs. No, I mean, they're averaging two two fewer yards per carry on power runs this year than they did last year. That's not that's not the stuff they're, they're trying to do. Like, they're setting stuff up. There's maybe saving something for a rainy day 
but yeah, no way in the world that it's like we're we're not going to operate at peak efficiency and hope that we can flip a switch after 16 games and operate at peak efficiency after deliberately tanking just enough to get that first round by. Like, no, that that's that, that's just not how things work. All right, um, I would say that would wrap up the mailbag podcast show here. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions. If we didn't get to yours, I apologize. If we did. Don't forget to tell your friends and family that you just became internet famous here on The Razor Show. Listen to us next week. We'll probably make this mailbag podcast format something that comes up you know, fairly regularly. It's a fun type of show to do, especially when we hit some quick hitter topics. Uh, you know, Hopefully you're out there buying an ostrich. You can listen to The Razor Show while riding your ostrich. And then in 2020, hopefully we'll bring you a Razor Show from the London Eye. I'm Jeff. That's Nick over there on the other side of the internet. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.